The Darkness Between Us. Dark Stories from the Uncanny Collective. Episode 13, Towing the Line and a Deep Exhale of Breath by Paul Linghorn. It was in a nicer part of town, my new home. I'll probably be paying it off well into my 70s, but regardless, it is mine. Terraced white brick front, lovely tall windows and a black door like number 10. The garden is simple enough. Like most older townhouses, it has that fat L shape to it, a concrete path leading round the back room and onto your patch of grass. Two new fences either side of me. My neighbours to the right are a lovely couple, Franco and Faye. He's from Uruguay and very loud during particular marital activities. She is from Los Angeles and isn't afraid to tell you about it. They both felt drawn to England on a um, spiritual level. They both wear free-flowing clothes and cross-strapped sandals all year round. Unfortunately, however, my story doesn't concern them a great deal but rather my neighbour to the left of me. A cantankerous, swollen scrotum of a man named Mr. Barrett. The kind of man who would pop into Tesco demanding a refund without proof of purchase. The kind of man who wouldn't visit London for fear of being blown up in a terrorist attack. The kind of man who says not all men while clutching his top shelf magazine from the corner shop. You know the type. When I had first moved in, I hadn't noticed the very slight inequality in our garden sizes. The fence we share would have normally sat halfway between our two kitchen windows. It wasn't until my sainted mother pointed out that the fence was ever so slightly positioned in his favour by no more than an inch. For me, it really was a non-issue. My mother felt differently. It was some hours and a few cups of tea later that she had finally steadied her rage and was convinced not to threaten Mr. Barrett. Some months after having moved in, myself and a few friends decided to spend a long weekend in Brighton for a 30th birthday. Before we left, I had spotted Mr. Barrett spying out from behind his long curtains at me as I packed up my car. I naturally thought nothing of it until I came home. At first, all seemed fine. Everything indoors was how I had left it. I'd started to make dinner in the early evening, and it was then when I caught a glimpse of the garden through the window. The proportions were off. Different, somehow. It didn't take long for me to work out that the fence between Barrett and I was now touching the side of my window. I took a quick look outside, and surely enough, the fence had moved significantly over onto my side. About half a yard, clearly noticeable. The man had actually taken down the fence, rebuilt it right up next to my kitchen window, and implanted a mix of pansies and Californian poppies at the foot of it. After spotting me looking over our fence, the graceful Mr. Barrett stumbled out the door. It's always been like that he said. No, no it hasn't. I had a very pointed conversation with my mum about the fence. She noticed when it was only an inch. Then she's as crazy as you. Listen, the last thing you want is my mother on your back. (laughs) 
I've seen her. Then you will move the fence back? No. And it's always been like that. And even if it is in my favour, you don't use your garden. I do. So sling your hook and don't you dare send your mummy over here, you pathetic little snowflake. With that, he whipped back round and was gone as quick as a flash. Naturally outraged, I went to phone my mother. But then I thought better of it. I thought to ask Franco and Faye if they had heard or seen Barrett moving the fence. I was greeted with a distraught-looking Franco. Bloodshot eyes, unkempt beard. Well, I guess not that different, but generally not himself. Apparently at some point over the weekend, Faye left him with little more than a goodbye note. He had heard some clattering of wood before going to work, but when he returned, Faye was gone, and was far too distraught to have noticed or seen anything else, leaving me at a dead end. Rather than get the mother involved, I simply thought to just leave it. To a degree, Barrett was right. I didn't really use the thing. So what was I complaining about? The months trickled by and Franco had gone but not before attempting to launch a full-on missing persons investigation. Faye had left a note, a suitcase and clothes were missing, yet no one had heard from her since. Franco went into a spiral, and when he realised the police weren't going to do anything more, he left the country. If only he had stayed a week longer. When Franco had gone, I felt very trapped, particularly as I had seen Barrett speaking with Franco's estate agent. It transpired he wanted the other house as well. The man was literally boxing me in. How long would it be until that fence starts crawling towards me as well? Then, the unthinkable happened. A hurricane was predicted, one that would rival the great storm of 87. It hit in the dead of night. Waking me from my sleep, I sat by the bedroom window, watching the winds tear through the street in awe. After a few minutes, I heard a tremendous crack behind me, which at the time I had thought was thunder. I made my way to the back window, and had seen the fence between me and Barrett blown down. I just laughed as his ornate garden was shot to smithereens and his flowers flew off into the night sky. It was then when a single sandal slapped against the window. I could just about make out the image of bone held in place by the sandal's cross straps before the wind took it away. Looking down, I could see his decimated flower bed scattered with bones. I just kept staring. How many were under there? What would he do? Why didn't he bury them deeper? I could have helped. If I knew that was what he was doing, we could have got on from the beginning. Idiot. Needless to say, the next morning, when all was calm and he saw me helping bury the remains again, we managed to bury the hatchet, and I was ready for my mother to meet him.
You ready? <laughs> As I'll ever be, I guess. Okay. Welcome. How may I be of assistance today? We're here to see... <sighs> Sorry. We're here to see our father, Richie Woods. Richard Woods? Of course. Please take your time. Thank you. We have him set up in the second viewing room, down the corridor here and to the right. Has anyone else been to see him yet? Not yet. You would be the first. Really? Have you been here all day? I have, yes. Oh. It's okay. I'm sure they'll get round to it. It's not for everyone. Seeing a loved one after they have passed is hard for most people. I guess you're right. Is it okay to go in now? Of course. Remember, please take your time. This must be the room. You sure you're ready? Yes. Well, there he is. Oh, God. Here, take my hand. No, no, I'll be fine. Okay. Do you want to set the flowers down? Right. There you go, Dad. I'm sure you'd hate them. He looks so different. Well, with the way the muscles relax after death, it would cause a... All right! All right. I don't need a scientific analysis right now. Thank you. Sorry. Just trying to... I know. I know. Thank you again for being here. Like I wouldn't. It's more than everybody else has done, apparently. And you barely knew him. Try not to be too angry about the turnout, so to speak. It's not that I'm angry. I saw that angry spark when they said you were the first to come. Alright, I'm a little pissed off. But I just don't get how, if this is the last time you get to see him, why you wouldn't take that opportunity. Send him off, say your goodbyes, all of that. It's very hard for some people. It's very hard for me. Sorry. I saw him every fucking week. Sorry, Dad. But I made that effort for us. And now he's dead and gone, and they can't be bothered to come down and pay their respects. It's only one day, and for some people that's a logistical nightmare. Some people didn't I have... I get for some people it's not exactly down the road. I get that. I do. But there are others who could but won't. That's their right. If they don't want to feel that ache, they don't have to. But I do. It's your choice. No, coming here and paying my respects to my dead father is not my choice. It's for him. I'm sorry, but he's not here. Yes, he is! He's right fucking there! I'm sorry. Would you... Would you like me to get a cup of tea? Tea? Yeah. Please. I'm so sorry. Those last couple of weeks, they were horrendous. 
For all of us, but most of all you. I should have been there more. We all should have been there more. I guess we had high hopes. I didn't know it would come to this. I'm an idiot. But hey, you knew that. I wonder how often you told me that. (laughs) You're an idiot, but you're my little idiot. (laughs) It was weird how you could turn a nasty thing to say into something that was almost bordering affection. I wish that... What is that? What the hell? (gasps) Are you okay? The flowers are moving! What? Oh... Honey, it's just the aircon. Here. <laughs> Jesus. <sighs> Can we play some of his music? Sure. Let me get the playlist on. Can we start with that one? Uh, uh, what's it called? Who's the singer? Ah, uh, fuck. It's on the tip of my tongue. Dylan. Bowie had covered it uh, about... Heaven... Oh, uh, trying to get to heaven. That's it. Dylan's version, I presume? Would be for him. Okay, hold on a sec. Hmm. He does look so different. Looks like he's had work done with those cheekbones. Ah, okay, here it is. I hate that one of his eyes is slightly open. Just listen to the music. Well, are you going to play the music? It's playing. Then turn it up. I can't hear it at all. It's fairly loud as it is. Just turn it up. Well? I've turned it up as loud as it will go. No, you haven't. I can't hear anything. Have you gone deaf? Clearly not. I can hear you, can't I? But it's playing full blast. What? I said it's playing full- Not that. Did you just do an impression of him? What? No. Why would I do- I am trapped. Dad? You're scaring me. Can't you hear that? It's my dad. I'm still here. Trapped in this body. Trapped? He's saying he's trapped. What is going on here? My father is talking. Can't you hear him? Please. Help me. I think we need to go now. Please, don't leave me. How can I go anywhere? He's talking to me. I'm going to get some help. Yes, he needs it. Dad, what can I do? Don't leave me. Of course not. Cannot move. Trapped. How can I help you? Want to sit. Ah, all right. Let's see here. Are you okay? My eyes open. Yes, yes, of course. Oh, God, your eyes. Take me away. Dad! Take me home. Oh Oh my God, what have you done? Miss Woods, would you care to take a moment outside? He's here! 
He's alive! Sir, can you turn the music down? Yes. All right, Dad, I'll ask. He wants to go home. That will be rather difficult at this time, Miss Woods. His funeral is in two days. No! You're not listening to him! He's alive! There's been some sort of mistake. Locked-in syndrome or something. He is not speaking. He is! He's not. Miss Woods, perhaps it would be better to talk about this outside? No! I can't leave him! Please, I really do think it's for the best. I'm not leaving him! Not until he's safe at home! Can you help me? What are you two looking at each other for? It's time to go. No! You can't make me! (laughs) Just come on! No! Leave me with him! We we need to go! You can't be alone! Not again! (laughs) Please, come back. Don't leave me. Don't let me burn! The Darkness Between Us was created by the Uncanny Collective. Towing the Line and A Deep Exhale of Breath were written by Paul Linghorn and starred Paul Linghorn, Connor Meddings, Sarah Lynham, Rebecca Travers and Stefan Kornicard. Theme music by Nick Samuel. Audio recorded, mixed and produced by Connor Allen and Sarah Lynham. Uncanny Collective are Connor Allen, Steve Fitzgerald, Paul Linghorn and Sarah Lynham. Please visit uncannycollective.co.uk for information on upcoming shows and events, and to find us on social media, follow the links in the description below.